read from the scriptures this morning, Hebrews 7, beginning in verse 23. Furthermore, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who are subject to weakness, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. So in this series this month, we're looking at different passages from this letter to the Hebrews. And we realize that this author uses one image after another. He uses many, many images for Christ. We have already looked at these last few weeks, Christ as God's glory, Christ as God's grace, and last Sunday, Christ as Son of God. Each of those touched on this idea of Jesus as high priest. I want to look at that a little further this week as it's developed in this seventh chapter. You'll remember, if you've read through the letter, that this author is comparing who Jesus is and what God has done in Jesus with what God has been doing through the ages and how God worked with the Israelites coming out of slavery they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, but God is leading and guiding them and drawing them in. And they have instructions and guidance about worship. And then he moves to the temple period and compares <clears throat> how they worship with the temple and with sacrifices using the high priest as their intercessor. But he always comes back around to talk about Jesus Christ. Pay attention to what God has done in Jesus Christ. And in this passage, again, he draws us and suggests to us and reminds us, keep looking toward Jesus. God has done something in him and continues to work through him on our behalf as he uses this image of Jesus as high priest. Last week, after looking at the passage, I concluded that the good news was that Jesus is high priest and son of God is with us and intercedes for us throughout our lives to connect us with God. And then our passage today begins like this. Furthermore, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds, that is Christ, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. The risen Christ is eternal, so can fill this role of high priest forever. You can hear it in verse 27. He writes, unlike the other high priest, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day. He did this once for all when he offered himself. 
He's contrasting the day-to-day or week-to-week or year-to-year sacrifices offered in the temple by the high priest to Jesus offering himself through the crucifixion to giving his life as a gift that he made one time. But the impact lasts forever. Since our budget committees are looking at finances for this year and next year, I'm asking you to estimate your giving and think about your stewardship and what part God has for you to play. I was thinking about how this passage is sort of like our different operations and endowment funds. We have an operations budget. That's what we're asking you to think about participating in. It's where you can give week to week or month to month, or some of you give one time for that whole year, but you're thinking about how much can I give throughout the year. And as you give weekly or monthly, we spend those monies for the operations of the church so that Kathy has support to do pastoral care. So we can do music and worship like this every week and have choir robes and handbells and music so that we can do lifelong faith formation for children and for youth and for adults so we can reach out in missions and serve other people so that we'll be ready to welcome any and all who come. All of that takes money and resources, and we ask you, help us with that so we can do all the mission and ministry next year that we think God is leading us to do. But then we also have endowment funds. Most of the endowment funds were one-time gifts from an individual donor. They made a gift either during their life or in their will or their estate. They made a bequest and left funds to the church. We protect those funds and put them in an endowment. We don't spend the gift. But every year, those gifts generate income because that money is invested. And so we're able to spend the proceeds year after year after year. Mostly our endowments take care of maintaining this magnificent building and paying for insurance and other kinds of safety and security issues on our behalf. We ask you to give every week or every month or every year for those operations. The endowment fund's given once, but they keep on giving forever. Hebrews says the former priest made sacrifices over and over again, day to day, he says. Jesus did so once, but the gift keeps on giving. You could also think of how United Methodists do our baptism ritual. We do not rebaptize anyone to become a Methodist. We believe in baptism one time. We believe that the primary mover, what we're symbolizing, is God's grace being poured out upon us. That we're being refreshed and cleansed and claimed and brought into the family of God. And we believe that grace goes on forever. But we use the water and do a baptism only one time. Even though we believe that we can never lose God's grace, we can never outlive God's love for us. In this passage, the author uses words like permanently, for all time, forever, over and over, six times in five verses. And then it says, but the crucifixion, the sacrifice, only happened one time. 
but the impact lasts forever. This high priest of which I'm telling you, this author says, you can count on him forever and ever. Stephen Mansker is a pastor and a scholar, writes about John Wesley. He reminds us that Wesley often talked about the roles of Christ or the offices of Christ. I want to read you just a couple of sentences as he's talking about how Wesley summarizes this. He says, Christ the priest offers forgiveness of sins. He restores us to relationship with God and through continual pardon helps us to stay in relationship with God. Christians never outgrow their need for Christ in the office of high priest. That sounds really important, and it's important to understand, and clearly it's important to this author of the Hebrews, but I've not found anyone in my ministry that I've ever known who said my favorite image for Jesus is high priest. It doesn't resonate with us the same way it would have in the first century. And yet it's important for us to understand. I want us to grasp that the author images it like this to remind these early Christians of the assurance of salvation. Let me read to you in verse 25. Consequently, Christ is able for all time to save those who approach God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. When you read through the letter, you realize these people to whom he's writing are a people under persecution, a people who have had a hard time, maybe have faltered, maybe have fallen away from the faith. He's encouraging them to keep the faith, and if they've drifted away, to come back to the faith. Can you see how him reminding them that there's somebody waiting for them? Even if they've fallen or faltered or feel weak, there's a high priest waiting for them that they can count on any time and every time. He is saying Christ is the one that we should look to. We can count on him. He will be working on our behalf forever. He will be the permanent high priest, the one in place, interceding for us for all time. You can remember, as he said it a couple of weeks ago, if you're looking for a place for help in time of need, if you're looking for grace and mercy, this is the one to look to. Jesus Christ as the high priest will be there for you. Marjorie Suhaki is a retired systematic theologian, professor at a number of our different United Methodist seminaries. She writes about John Wesley and salvation, and she uses this image of moving the rubble that's in our way out of our lives. I want to read you a few sentences of how she talks about this. She says, there have been many interpretations of just why Jesus' death on the cross is necessary for our salvation. And in some ways, John Wesley uses them all. In some places, Wesley talks of Jesus' death as a ransom. In others of his writings, he talks of Jesus as our substitute, taking our punishment in our place. Jesus is also the satisfaction paid 
in order to satisfy, satisfy God's offended honor when we sin. And sometimes Wesley uses the law court imagery of a prisoner standing in our place before the bar. Perhaps Wesley's most dominant image is that we owe a debt to God that we cannot pay. So Jesus pays it for us. I might say using this image from Hebrews, that that one who pays it for us is the high priest. Then she goes on, Dr. Sue Hockey goes on to say, Jesus takes care of all the rubble blocking the way on the road, which is to say the hindering sins that keep us from God's will for us. This is the role of the cross, this forgiving, rubble-clearing nature of God as revealed in Christ covers us throughout our whole lives. We are never without it, nor should we ever wish to be. With the rubble cleared away, we are to live fully toward love. While we live it daily, it is what God intended for humanity long before ourselves entered the race, and it shall be the fulfillment of humanity throughout eternity. Last month, I had opportunity to go to a place I've heard of my whole life as a no-miss place to visit in the United States. I got to go to Yellowstone National Park. Now, we were only in Wyoming for five days, and Yellowstone is a treasure that covers a part of three states. But my daughter, Hope, is a planner. She knew we only had one day, so she had it all mapped out, how we could see the waterfalls and the wildlife, how we could see these hydrothermal pools bubbling up, these different colors of water and mud and clay. And, of course, we included Old Faithful. You know, perhaps, that now geologists have studied Old Faithful so much and so long, they can predict for you when it's going to burst, when it's going to blow. So they can tell you, 10.30 in the morning, tomorrow morning, be there. So we planned our trip to be there, to be by this field of geysers. Some of you have been there. You walk up, and the steam is coming out of the ground several places. Well, we're gathering with hundreds of people who want to see Old Faithful. We're all watching our watches to see, is it going to work? And sure enough, about the time they have said, just within a minute or two, after the steam had been there for a long time, a little water bubbled up just a foot or two, went back down, came back out again, this time about three or four feet, went back down, came back out a third, five feet, went back down, and that was it. <laughs> and we kind of looked at each other and said, really? One of the wonders of the world, that was it? Some people began to wander away. We said, let's wait a few more minutes. Maybe that wasn't it. And we waited two, three, four minutes, and sure enough, the water began to bubble again, and it came up a couple of feet. 
then four feet, but then this time six feet and ten feet, and it was really erupting. And then all of a sudden it went up to 20 feet and then 40, and then all of a sudden just like supernaturally 50 feet of water is spraying into the air. It was amazing. It really was spectacular. It was wonderful to be there. And it's amazing to me that they can tell you, go at this time, count on it. It's going to erupt. It really will thrill your soul. If you haven't seen it, I have a video. <laughs> we all broke out our cameras, right? Like, this is something. Or you can go on their website. They have a webcam now by Old Faithful. They'll tell you the next time it's going to erupt, and you can watch it on your screen. It really is a spectacular experience. It thrills the soul. But it will not save your soul. But this author says, I know one who can and will. Jesus Christ, the high priest who serves forever. Well, I began to think, maybe we should not only call Christ the high priest, maybe we should add the image of old faithful the one you can count on forever. Amen. And thanks be to